Oh yeah, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where our mission is to guide you beyond the classroom to live your English in real life, to help you speak confident, natural English, to connect to the world, and to actually use your English as the doorway to living your greatest life. I'm joined here in the global studio by whom many learners think of as the epitome of perspicuousness, Chiago. How's it oh going, Chiago? Oh my goodness. Hey, everybody. Hey, Ethan. <laughs> I'm doing well, but let me just start by asking, what did you say there? Can you repeat that last line, <laughs> the last part? Come again? What was that? Come again? I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> so, epitome. What does it mean if someone's the epitome of something? I think you, you know this expression, right? I think about it as the ultimate. The ultimate something. The epitome of something. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Right. It's like you are the... The prime example of mm. that thing. All right. The embodiment of that thing. And then perspicuousness, that's a mouthful even for me. Perspicuousness. It is. Uh, perspicuousness means that you are clear and concise in your communication and easily understandable. So I, in fact, just today saw a comment from a learner. They didn't use this word perspicuous or perspicuousness, but they were saying that you're so clear and easy to understand. Mm, that's great. I appreciate that. And uh, the word is also really cool. Let me try to say that, by the way. Perspicuousness. Perspicuousness. Uh, you know, I tend to break down the word <laughs> when it's a mouthful like that. I, try to, I tend to break it down like perspicuous and then ness. Perspicuousness, right? Yeah. And then you can do it like a tongue twister, right? Perspicuousness, perspicuousness, perspicuousness. It's <laughs> <laughs> too early in the morning for me. I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> Today's podcast is all for those of you who feel overwhelmed by the daily hustle and bustle of modern life. Maybe you're feeling stuck in a rat race, you know, like you're trying to get ahead at work and so on, and you're juggling so many things in your life. You just cannot find the time for those things that you truly value. Ooh, very nice, Ethan. Um, actually, you used a couple of words there. I would, I would even call them buzzwords, actually, because they're so prominent nowadays. Mm -hmm. First of all, you mentioned the hustle and bustle of modern life. What is the hustle and bustle of modern life in this case? Yeah. Hustle and bustle has to do with that you're always moving, you're always doing things, you're always active. And we compare this to the way things used to be. I don't know how long we've had this, this expression of hustle and bustle. It might be interesting even to, to look up the etymology of this expression, but it has to do with the fact that we're always doing things compared to our ancestors who might have had more of an agricultural life, probably since the, I imagine, Industrial Revolution, were much more in the, the hustle and bustle, waking up early, going to work. There's a great song from Dolly Parton that talks about this called Nine to Five. So uh, that talks all about that. People can check that out. She's a, an American legend. You also mentioned stuck in the rat race. So if the rat race is kind of a similar expression, but I think the rat race has more to do with when you're trying to succeed, you're climbing the ladders in your career, trying to be successful, trying to make more money, this sort of thing. So probably comes from the fact that a race between rats, maybe rats have a reputation for being very ruthless with each other. I think they can even be cannibalistic or I don't know. They don't have a great reputation, right? Rats in the English language, at least. Yeah. So, and there was a great movie. I remember I loved when I was a kid called Rat Race. That's about it's oh yeah you know, a bunch of rich people who force yeah. like well they don't force but they they uh start this this race for people to get to win a bunch of money these like average middle class americans 
Yeah. Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean is in it, right? Mr. Bean's in it. Yeah. yeah. He's a uh, narcoleptic, someone <laughs> who, who can't control falling asleep, right? Yeah. I love that movie too. I watched it so many times. I was just going to comment on the, the expression rat race. When I think about rat race, I think about the the day-to-day grind that we all go through and that constant worry about, oh, I got to progress. I got to make more money. I got to get the promotion. I got to beat that competitor, you know, like that constant worry and yeah. And you do that for many years, right? Very perspicuously defined. <laughs> so today's main question, uh, Chiago and I are both going to share some techniques that we find useful to not fall into this trap of the hustle and bustle and to mm. have a little bit more time in the week for those things that we truly value. Mm-hmm. And so the main question is, what can listeners do if they feel exhausted and like they don't have time? And it could be for English learning, but it could just be for anything else that's important to them. So mm. Chiago, I'll let you do the honors. You can go first and sure. sharing your tip of the day. Sure. Yeah. When we talk about feeling exhausted all the time, we I think we mean more mentally exhausted, mental fatigue, and also feeling like you don't mm. have time for anything else in your life. Your life is so busy as it is. Typical symptoms of burnout, I would say. Maybe ICT can pull up some other common symptoms of burnout to share with us here. Uh, because, you know, it's such a common syndrome nowadays, yeah, that many, especially professionals, are experiencing. So, when, at least from my experience, every time in my life when I said to myself that I didn't have time, oh my God, I don't have time. I feel like I don't have time for anything. Actually, what I was really saying, I realized, was I don't have time to do the things that matter to me or to do things that I want to do or that make me feel good. So my tip today, if you feel like this sometimes, like, you know, you don't have time in your day for anything, My tip is find an activity that you love doing, that resonates with who you are, that resonates with your spirit, with your identity, and prioritize it, either in your days or weeks. Ideally, you want to do it every day, but if it's not possible to do it every day, set aside some time to do it at least weekly. Just to give a personal example, Mm. you guys know that I love music and playing guitar. Music has been a part of my life since I was a kid. My, my father plays guitar. He taught me the first chords, my first songs. My aunts, they also play and sing. I come from a family of musicians. So um, throughout my whole life, music was always a constant. But a few years ago, I, I got into the hustle and bustle of things. And then I started to <laughs> neglect that side of myself, the music, the playing, the singing. And then I started to prioritize other things like work and bills, and family, and these are important things for you to prioritize, of course, but you cannot forget about yourself either, yeah, so I came to the conclusion that um, I needed to change that in my life, because um, by adding that activity back to my routine, that would make me feel better to then withstand yeah, the challenges of life and the, the grind of the day-to-day routine. So something that energizes you. Maybe you don't know what it is. So do spend some time trying to identify what activity that might be. Um, something that makes you feel good and that resonates with who you are. Yeah, I love that. I took note of some things actually while, while you're speaking because this whole topic I find so fascinating is how do we prioritize the things that are truly important to us? 
or maybe not even things that are truly important to you because a lot of people do have jobs that are also truly important to them or obviously time with your kids is truly important to you but even if you have these things that are valuable in your life there's there's other things there's always other things you want to learn there's other things that fulfill you it's not enough just to work and and spend your time with family especially in modern day there's so many things we all want to be able to do right and of course we need to prioritize but it's nice to have outside of those things those things that that fulfill you uh several years back i actually read this book called essentialism and i believe we've talked about this on the podcast several times but since i read that book it became a pet peeve of me every time i hear people say i don't have time because it dawned on me after reading that that it's just a really weak excuse to give i don't have time is a really weak excuse because he repositions this phrase he, he gives a, a scenario that say you have a, a kid and for most parents it's very easy to say okay sorry i don't have time to play right now Mm-hmm. And he challenges us to replace I don't have time to it's not a priority. So would you mm. say to your kid, it's not a priority for me to play with you. It's not a priority for me to spend time with you. Like any parent would feel terrible mm-hmm. saying that to their kid. But it means the same thing, right? Yeah. It's just I don't have time is something that we've all accepted as an excuse that you can use an excuse for anything. So when you start replacing I don't have time with it's not a priority, it makes you rethink what are my priorities? Like, actually, it should be a priority to spend time with my kids. It should be a priority to play with them, to take them to do something special on the weekends and so on. Or it should be a priority for me to play guitar. You know, I feel like I don't have time, but in fact, it's a priority. So I need to make some time. I need to find the time for that. I need to prioritize it. And when you look at this word prioritize, it means it comes from priori, I believe, in Latin, which means the number one thing. It means first. So it's kind of priority literally means the number one thing. What are the the things that are most important to your life? You need to make them number one. You need to make time. It's not going to fall on your lap, right? Yeah. We all have the same 24 hours in the day. Exactly. So I don't have time is a lame excuse, as you said. I just want to go back a little bit because you used a very nice expression there, talking about the book Essentialism. You said, it dawned on me. So most learners probably know the word dawn is the time of the day when the sun is rising. I'm not sure how these connect exactly, but we say it dawned on me when you have a realization. So the thing that I had, it dawned on me, this thing, the difference between I don't have time, that I don't have time is a bad excuse, dawned on me. I realized that reading this book. And I pretty much have tried to cut that out of my vocabulary. And I'm always very suspicious when I hear other people using this too liberally, because it's just basically that they're not in control of their time. And all of us want to have more control of our time. It's difficult, difficult sometimes for all of us, but it's something that all of us want to have more Mm -hmm. of is more control of our time. Awesome. So yeah, that's my recommendation for today. You know, find that activity that, you know, it feels like time flies when you're doing it. You know, one hour Mm -hmm. feels like five minutes. And whenever you feel like you are in a funk or you're feeling a bit weird, like, you know, there's something missing in your life, do that activity and I'm sure you're going to feel better. What does it mean if you're in a funk? I like to think about it as if you feel odd, you feel like maybe you are stuck in a rut or there's nothing exciting going on in your life. That's how I view it. How would you define that, by the way? Yeah, there's a more precise word called lethargy, which is Mm. this feeling of another word we could say is listlessness. Like you don't have, it's like your soul almost is like sad, right? It's like an inner part of you is just Uh not fulfilled. The same way that if you don't uh, eat, or especially if you don't eat healthily, 
you get mm. sick, right? You don't have energy. And mm. there's things that they say feed our soul, whether or not you're religious, whether or not you believe in having a soul, there's things that fulfill us beyond just the base of our needs, right? Exactly. Which music is a fantastic example. W one other thing I took note of while you were speaking is, I don't know if you ever heard of any lectures from Alan Watts, was um, no. a really famous professor. I'm not even sure what he was a professor of, I would imagine philosophy. Mm -hmm. But he has, I believe that the, the talk, the lecture is called Life is Like Music. And he talks mm. about this whole thing. It's kind of criticizing education, but it's more our mindsets in general. That we go through all of our schooling. And I thought about this because you were saying that when you were younger, music really was a priority. You've always had a very musical family. It was an important mm. part of your life. But then, as we like to say, shit got real. You know, you, <laughs> you actually started working. You had to make money. You got a family. You have kids to take care of and so mm -hmm. on. You have a lot of other responsibilities. So it becomes all that time that you had before for these things that really fulfill you sort of went away. And now you have to really be organized. You have to be really deliberate with your time to find time for those things that fulfill you. And so I don't know, maybe we could even share like a short clip from this. And if not, we can just link it in the show notes or down in the comments below if you're on YouTube, because it's, it's a really beautiful lecture. It had a big impact on me talking all about this idea that we go throughout school and then, you know, we get to work and we're treating life like this very serious thing when it's supposed to be something more like music, supposed to be something that, that we play, that we enjoy, that we're, we're present in. So it's, a, it's really beautiful. And what about your tip for today, Ethan? Yes. Uh, the tip that I had taken note of, because there's a lot of us that have this feeling of not having time. So I wanted to choose something that you can get a really good bang for your buck. Now, this means with a little mm. bit of money or a little bit of effort, you get tremendous results. And this is something called the five-minute journal. I'm not sure actually who invented this, but it is there is an official journal that you can buy and everything for this. I don't actually buy that because I think it's, it's quite overpriced and, and unnecessary, but it is a beautiful journal. If people really like those things, then it can be good for them. Um, we can put a link to that for sure. But... I was actually going to open up mine so I can just share the the outline of it mm -hmm. and the general questions and so on. So I have it here. I do it on my computer, so that's why I have it here at hand. Uh, but you do this twice a day, and you need approximately five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, even less. I think a lot of times, depending, maybe sometimes I might be more insightful and take more time, but depending... It might take me two minutes, three minutes in the morning and the night. So anyone who says that they don't have two minutes or in the, the morning or two minutes at night, it's you're you're full of it. You're you're mm. lying to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first thing is that uh, so talking about it in the morning, the first thing that you have to do is write down three things that you're grateful for. And you can do big things, of course, like I'm grateful for my health, my family's health, um, grateful for having a roof over my head. I'm grateful mm -hmm. for my job and so on, these, these really big things. But it's recommended that you actually choose small things, small, not so important things, because it helps you to start appreciating more at the little things. So I thought I could give some examples. Uh, you know, one I've done some mornings is the coffee in my cup. When we were talking about this the other day, that if you want to, you might be just doing this quickly, might be a rush day, but maybe you're having a bit more time, you're feeling more reflective and everything, you can really go on a journey. You know, you, the coffee in your cup, that's great. The taste of it, you love that and so on. It gives you energy in the morning, right? But think about where did that come from? 
even. What about the, you know, the, the coffee beans in Brazil or in Colombia or in Nigeria or wherever those coffee beans were sourced from? Think about all the sunlight, the water, the soil that were required to mature them. Think about the people who were out there working and picking them, processing them, the truck that had to carry it all the way to wherever you live and the, the ships and so on, the people who were stocking it in the store. So as you can see, it's like there's a tremendous effort to get a simple cup of coffee and we just completely take that for granted. It's so easy for mm -hmm. us nowadays to have yeah. a cup of coffee in the morning, right? What, what does that uh, mean by the way, to take something for granted? Yeah, that's a great expression. I think the whole reason for practicing gratitude, when you take something for granted, you just accept it as it is. You don't show an appreciation for it. You just mm -hmm. expect that it's there, it will always be there, and so on. So practicing gratitude is good because it makes us grateful for those little things. It makes us appreciate deliberately those little things. And they've actually done scientific studies that show that people who practice gratitude tend to be more fulfilled in their life. They tend to be happier. They tend to be more optimistic about things. Mm -hmm. So this can be, again, nice. it's just a couple minutes a day and it, it's going to be powerful. Yeah. So you do three of those. Uh, you know, for example, some that I took note of yesterday morning was ChatGPT because, you know, it helped me with uh, a lot of things that we're, we're planning a trip to Peru and so on. And, and even for finding things in Cusco where we're going for our company summit, it helped me to, to find things that we can do there. It can help. It helps me to plan activities and so on. Uh, thanks. I was grateful for I started doing yoga in the morning, so I was grateful for free yoga classes on YouTube. Uh, so these are a couple of just small things that I took note of. Mm -hmm. The next thing you do is three things that would make today great. So again, this is, you know, starting with a positive mindset and it's also gives you an intention, right? So mm. I found, for example, one thing that I take note of some days is having a, a powerful or having a strong workout or, or feeling a lot of energy when I'm at the gym. And then I remember, you know, when I actually go to the gym, that's like, okay, I had this intention for today. Like, let me, let me really pour myself into this moment and make mm -hmm. that, make that a reality. And I started doing therapy recently. So like when I had the other day was being open and vulnerable in therapy. And then when I got to therapy is to reminded me, you know, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, you're here for, for a reason. And then the last thing that you need to do in the morning is a daily affirmation. Now an affirmation is a phrase that's something you want to remind yourself of about yourself. Mm -hmm or something that you are striving or hoping to become more of. So the other morning, for example, I wrote, uh, I am well rested and full of energy. You always write this in the, the present tense mm -hmm. to think of it as if it already were. Question though, um, should you repeat the affirmation multiple times or just once? In this exercise, it's just once. There are people who will write out an affirmation like five, 10, 15 times, but for the, the purpose of the five minute journal is not necessary, but if someone feels like that, that helps them to instill it more within themselves, then they can totally do that. I imagine you, you say that out loud, right? You could. Yeah. Mm. I don't think I usually do, but <laughs> uh <-huh>. maybe, <laughs> I maybe I just, I quickly believe my affirmations. <laughs> but I think there's something powerful to saying it out loud, to voicing it, like your, your example, <laughs> right? I'm rested and full of energy, like externalizing <laughs> that, uh, that, that could be interesting. Maybe I have to try that. I know some people will do their affirmations looking in the mirror, like looking at themselves and, you know, say, saying it out loud and, you know, really trying to feel it in that moment. And then at night, uh, there's actually just two parts to it. So three highlights of the day, three things that, you know, made your day better. So uh, yesterday I said therapy, 
because I, you know, I actually was open and vulnerable at therapy. It was, it went really well. Uh, a meeting with one of our colleagues that I had just like a really great meeting with someone on our team mm -hmm. and uh, looking for gifts for actually we have, <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing a secret Santa, even though it's, it's going to be in June, we're going to be doing a secret Santa when we're in Peru. So I had to go look for that. And that was a highlight of the day. Then the last thing is, what did I learn today? This is good too, because it gets you more, at least for myself, it makes me more intentional about my learning because I have to remember back to a podcast I listen to or something, you know, I read every morning. So thinking back to, okay, what did I read this morning? What did I actually learn from it? And it can help to actually fortify those things in your mind. So again, it's just three things in the morning, two things at night, and it probably in total takes less than five to 10 minutes. I love how simple the framework is for that type of journaling. A comment about mm -hmm. gratitude. You start your day with gratitude. I think uh, you mentioned that people who practice gratitude on a daily basis, they feel more fulfilled in life. But I think I have seen research also that even uh, concluded that people live longer. People who practice gratitude mm -hmm. daily or frequently, their longevity, they tend to live longer. So that's also something to to keep in mind, right? The importance of um, uh, feeling grateful for the things you have. One thing I, li I like about that is that when you appreciate the things you already have, it kind of puts you in the present moment as well. People say that happiness is in the present moment. So you look around like, oh, this is what I got. And I'm grateful for that. You see, uh, people say that sometimes uh, unhappiness comes from either dwelling in the past or just living in the future, worrying about things you don't have yet, right? So, yeah, I love that. And one final comment about uh, the way you design your day. What I found interesting about this framework is that you are deliberately prioritizing things that will make your day the best day you could have. And that's nice because we, uh, when we plan our days, we tend to focus only on our obligations, on the tasks we have to get done for work or even for, for personal life, but you know, the boring stuff. <laughs> but you also include deliberately activities that will make you uh, feel good there. So I, I like that. And even some days it's difficult for me to think of what would make today great. Yeah. And it makes me think, okay, I need to find more things to do that would make today great. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to soon take up guitar again, for example, because I know that's something, I mean, you mentioned music as well. And it's something I've had on my goals for a long time is to, I was learning for like a little bit and then, you know, I, I lost my habit. So to get back to that habit, and I know it's something I could look forward to every day, for example. Mm -hmm. And just a final note before we jump into the next part of the podcast, where we'll be looking at some different vocabulary that you can apply to your daily speech. We wanted to leave you with a really nice quote that says, when everything is a priority, nothing is. So we talked about this whole thing of essentialism, of prioritizing the things that fulfill you and so on. Sometimes we're trying to do everything. We're trying to be everything and so on. And when you're trying to make everything a priority, and again, like priority means number one thing, then it's really like nothing is. It falls apart, right? Mm -hmm. Anytime someone's like, oh, I want to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, like mm -hmm. this, that, and the other, then we tend to just disappoint ourselves. So yeah. it's kind of just picking it. I like what Chiago said, like pick that one thing that would really make this day great. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's just making sure that you play guitar. Maybe it's making sure you spend some time playing with your kid or your dog. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just 
going out for a five minute stroll around your neighborhood so you can get out in nature, get some sunlight and so on. Yeah. So just think of that, like something really small that you could prioritize in your day mm-hmm. that would make it a little bit better, that would alleviate some of this sense of overwhelm and stress. All right. So let's share a shout out, some thanks to one of our very special listeners and app users. All right, the shout out today goes to Santu. And Santu says, it is a really nice app for those who want to improve their spoken English. I've already gone through a few transcripts and learned some vocabulary, which will definitely help me communicate on a day-to-day basis. Oh yeah, thanks so much, Santu. And today we are, as I mentioned, going to be giving you even more expressions, vocabulary. We already have given you quite a bit, I believe, Mm. but we're going to deliberately be giving you even more that we hope you can use. And as they said, they are absolutely right. The real life English app, I mean, for myself in learning different languages, something I found immensely helpful with learning new words so that I don't get in the situation where I go to speak and the word that I just learned is escaping me is speaking it as soon as possible. So as Santo is saying, the real life app is a place where you can do that. You can go press a button, have a conversation with another English speaker in another part of the world and you know, the the expressions you're using in today's podcast, go over there, use them with someone, try at least one of those new words so that you can actually act it, add it to your active vocabulary. So today we're looking at some useful expressions that you can use when you're talking about or dealing with different stressful situations. So be sure to grab your phone or pen and paper so you can take lots of notes. You're going to definitely want to make sure you're adding these to your active vocabulary and If you are new here, every single week, we help you to understand fast speaking natives without getting lost, without missing the jokes and without subtitles. So hit that subscribe button and the bell down below so that you never miss a new lesson. All right, Thiago, what is our first expression today? Our first one today is to be stressed out. I've seen that so many times in movies and series. Oh, I'm stressed out. I'm feeling stressed out. Basically, you are stressed, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it means the same thing. Sometimes there's these phrasal verbs that are the same as the base verb, Mm -hmm. the basic meaning, but making a phrasal verb adds emphasis to the original meaning. Yeah. And it even makes it sound a bit more natural, like you really have command of the English language. Oh, I'm stressed out. Instead of simply, I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. Right. And as you said there, it has connected speech too. If you really want to sound natural, you can connect those as happens with pretty much every phrase verb, I believe. So stressed out, you added that, Mm -hmm. that flat D to the out, right? Stressed out. Mm-hmm. Stressed out. Nice. So how might you use this in, I don't know, a day-to-day situation? Let me think of an example here. Let's say I could tell you, you know, I've been feeling really stressed out lately, so I think I'm going to play my guitar more often. There you go. It's meditation. It's meditation. It's like, you know, it's, tr- it's a transcending experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> the next expression is to pull one's hair out. You're so stressed out that you're literally pulling on your hair there's some you know fun images of this right and maybe uh it reminds me actually of the simpsons Mm. there's i remember one of the episodes that i saw when i was younger there's an episode that explains why homer is bald and it's because every time marge told him that she was pregnant he got so stressed out that he started like (laughs) ripping out his hair until he only had two of them left by the time that that uh the third pregnancy you're pregnant A good, very visual way to remember this. So yeah. you're, you're pulling your hair out. I'm so stressed, I'm pulling my hair out. Uh-huh. 
You might say, I'm pulling my hair out trying to prepare for this presentation I have to give tomorrow. Mm. All right, what's the next expression? The next one is to feel the weight of the world on one's shoulders. In her case, on your shoulders. Literally, think about the <laughs> world with all in it, as heavy as it is, weighing down on you, on your back, on your shoulders. Can you picture that? You feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. Like, you feel like you have to take care of everything. It's an overwhelming feeling in a negative way. We talked earlier about you're juggling so many things. You're, you're having too many responsibilities. Yeah. You're not prioritizing, right? You're taking on everything. You're making everything a priority. So to use this as an example, you could say... Um, I love my family, but sometimes I just feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders, mm -hmm. having to help them with all their problems. Yeah. Like you feel like too much responsibility on you. All right. Next. Oh, this is a nice one. To breathe <laughs> down someone's neck. So for example, if your boss is breathing down your neck, we talked earlier about a presentation, like they're really micromanaging you. They're really on you to make sure that presentation tomorrow is perfect. They're breathing down your neck. Mm -hmm. They won't give you a moment of respite, a moment of, of peace. Uh, any reason why we say down, uh, because of the way I picture it, maybe your typical office setting, you're in your little cubicle there working, sitting down, <laughs> and then your boss is kind of standing up behind you. Is it why we say breathing exactly. down? Hey, how are that? How's everything there? You know, is the report done? You know, like that, yeah. like breathing down your neck. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly, that's exactly how I would imagine it as well, uh -huh. is that they're, they're hovering, as we would say, they're hovering mm. over you really managing the details of your work. If you have a boss like that, then it might be time to look for a new job. <laughs> uh, what's the next expression, Tiago? To bite your nails. Uh, this is actually more literal. It's not really an expression. It's just the way it is, right? You bite your nails. Uh, and people who do that, they are called nail biters. It's a typical, let's say, uh, consequence of feeling uh, a lot of anxiety and stress. So you kind of you have that as a way of outlet, as an outlet. Yeah, you start uh, biting your nails because you're so nervous. Uh, it's not a good habit, of course. Uh, just a funny anecdote about that. When I was a kid and I was going to school, uh, I saw that some of my friends used to do that. They used to bite their nails. And I was a kid. I didn't, I didn't know any better. So I thought it was something cool, actually, because my friends were doing it. So, oh, and then I, I started doing it for a little while. But not because I needed to do it, just because I wanted to fit in, you know. But then later, you know, my mom talked to me like, you know, and then she convinced me that it's a bad habit. But yeah. Quit biting your nails. Kids, right? Yeah. I, I've been a pretty much lifelong nail biter. I was like one of those kids you mentioned. My mom bites her nails. My brother bites his nails. But in like, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, something like that, I actually quit. I went cold turkey and completely was able to quit biting my nails. So uh, you can do it if you are a nail biter. But there is an enigmatic way you can use this as well. So if you say that something is a nail biter, for example, the last World Cup was a nail biter between France mm. and Argentina, right? It was mm. really down to like one team scored a goal, the other one team is, uh, the other team scored a goal. It went into overtime. Is a nail biter because it's so close, you have no idea what's going to happen. You're really stressed out watching it. Because, you know, from one moment to that, you're, you're, you're on top of the world because you're winning. But then the next moment, you know, the other team's winning and you might be there like nervously biting your nails. But we'd say the game, that match was a nail biter. Nice. It's more of a figurative meaning in that case. I just want to go back very quickly because you said that you quit biting your nails cold turkey. What does that mean when you quit something mm. cold turkey? It's a great expression. Yeah. And there's a, there's a famous song. I believe it's John Lennon, right? Had a song called Cold Turkey. 
it's when you generally it's associated with drugs. So if you're addicted to a drug and generally they recommend that when you're addicted to a drug, you reduce. So for example, if you're a cigarette smoker, you know, you might use nicotine patches. So you're not just cutting it out of your system altogether. But there's some people who have a very strong will who will just throw out their pack of cigarettes and they quit cold turkey. They're not touching another cigarette. They're not using any patches, any gum, any of these other things. And uh, yeah, quitting cold turkey. All right. So the next expression we have is to keep one's head above water, which means that you are managing or coping with a really difficult situation. You can think of this if you're in the water and maybe you're exhausted, you're kind of drowning, right? You're having just difficulty keeping your head outside of the water so you can breathe. And it's this sort of overwhelming feeling that you're drowning in things, right? So you could say, you, you might say, for example, I'm really having difficulty keeping my head above water at work. I just have so much to do. I love how visual that that is. I mean, I can literally picture that. Mm -hmm. You have somebody swimming and trying to keep from drowning. Yeah. So you, you try to keep mm -hmm. your head above water. So visual. Yeah. Can imagine someone just buried in papers at work trying to process so many different things. Yeah. All right. What's the next one? To lose sleep over something. This is also a little bit literal, I would say, because we're so worried about something or stressed out about a particular issue or, or situation that you literally cannot sleep. So you lose sleep over that matter, over that situation. Let's say I have to give a very important presentation to a client the next day, and I actually lose sleep over that presentation because I just keep thinking about that presentation, even when I'm in bed, supposed to be sleeping. Um, I feel like uh, we use this a lot too in the negative. We might say, I don't know, Thiago will say he has to give a presentation tomorrow, but I don't consider that at some point I might say, you know, Thiago, it's not worth losing sleep over. It'll, it'll mm. be fine. Mm -hmm. Don't stress. Chill. Don't worry. Be happy. Because every little thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So next... You might, after work, need to blow off some steam. What does that mean if you blow off some steam? When you do something that makes you more relaxed, more relieved. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I picture a pressure cooker. You know, when you cook beans, for example, in the pressure cooker, you have all that pressure inside the pan. Very Brazilian. <laughs> right? <laughs> it is very Brazilian. Yes, it is. Uh, and then when you uh, actually open the pan, it's like... All that steam comes out. It blows off steam. It's like, yeah. you know? So imagine you are tired or overwhelmed or stressed out. And then after work, I don't know, you go to that nice cafeteria to, you know, uh, grab a drink. And then, uh, you know, you blow off steam. You relax a little bit. A lot of people might use alcohol. Some people might use going mm. for a run, going to the gym, yeah. doing something to relax, to let it all go, yeah. right? Let's say there are healthier ways and not so healthy ways to do that. Of course, yeah. Alcohol is like, a, it creates a vicious cycle because it affects the quality of sleep that you have. So then the next day you're going to be tired, you're going to be stressed, you're not going to, because you're not as effective. And then you're going to need alcohol again to help to take the edge off. We could also say that to take the edge off to help relieve some of that stress. And you just get in this, this cycle. I've talked to people who live in New York. They say it's like pretty much a, a it's like a, what do you call it? Like a scale, like a yin yang of alcohol and caffeine that just medicating, self-medicating in the morning with caffeine and the evening with alcohol, because it's, we say even uh, an expression in New York minute is an hour, I believe, uh, because there's so much hustle and bustle in New York. It's so hard to, the rat race is so hard to stay ahead and everything there that they're just constantly needing to self-medicate. 
All right, we have two more. So another way, this is similar to the last one, to take a breather. Yeah, when you pause or take a short break to relax and relieve some stress. Maybe you are working hard on a project and then, you know, you decide to take a breather for about 15 minutes. Yeah, when you stop, then you take a breather. Literally, like, you know, now I'm pausing, I'm relaxing a little bit, I'm resting a little bit. You take a breather. Yeah, there's, there's actually a, a breathing technique that can really be helpful for this. You do like 10 breaths and it, it's supposed to, like they, they've actually studied this, they've measured it, that it actually lowers your stress. So it's, if I remember correctly, it's a five second breath in, then holding that breath for four seconds and then eight seconds letting it out. And you just do this several times, controlling your breathing, and it helps to, I suppose, increase the oxygen, increase the serotonin in your brain and relieve the, the stress. And this expression, take a breather, we'd use a lot too in sports. For example, if you're, you're in a match, maybe you're playing tennis, can be any sport, but you're playing tennis, you're just exhausted from the, the last match. So you're like, okay, let me take a breather before we, we play the next one. And finally, to keep one's cool. I think we cited Bob Marley. <laughs> He's pretty good at, he was pretty good at keeping his cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So what I say, for example, hey, Ethan, come on, man. Keep her cool. Is that it? Yeah, it's like, you know, stay calm. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah, keep, keep your cool. cool. Don't stress out. <laughs> it's a good one, too, yeah. And there's some people who are really good at keeping their cool. Yeah, some people are high-strung, we could say. They're, they're, they're someone who's easily stressed, right, who needs to control everything and who has a lot of difficulty is high-strung. And there's no low-strung. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so we can imagine a very stressful situation, but the person still remains calm and composed. We can say that that person mm -hmm. is good at keeping his or her cool. Like there, there's different series of movies too. They'll say like, be cool, you know, be cool, man. Like it's don't do something to give yourself away. So for example, you're pickpocket, you're, uh, it's not pickpocketing, you're shoplifting at a store. So you're, you're stealing something. You're maybe have one of those big oversized hoodies and you're sticking things in it and, you know, telling your friend, be cool. You know, don't, don't show, don't show that you're stressed or that you're anxious or something like that, because then, you know, they're going to know that we're stealing. So not, not a good situation to be in. Don't give yourself away. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look at today's big challenge. All right. The big challenge is what is one activity you do or could start doing that makes you feel good, energized, and more relaxed? Leave us a comment here on YouTube or send us an email at hello at reallifeglobal.com in case you are listening to us someplace else. Fantastic. So you might even want to use some of those expressions that we've learned today so you can practice your communication, your writing. And before we go, of course, we want to share a comment from one of our very special community members from the one of the previous episodes of the podcast. All right. So this comes from the episode we did about being able to understand English, but not being able to speak it because you feel stressed out or uh, you freeze up when you have to do it. Uh, Leonardo left us a comment under that video there, and he shares a little bit of his uh, story. And he says that for a long time, he would feel very anxious and stressed when he had to speak with native speakers or foreigners in English. He would black out completely and feel very frustrated by these uh, negative experiences that he had. But then uh, he started to study English more deliberately, and after two years, 
he began actually mastering the language. And now he says that his verbal communication has enhanced significantly. And he says that he also learned from me, apparently, about the importance of resilience <laughs> in another podcast mm. about accents, which is great. Thank you, Leonardo. I'm glad you like that. And he says, he ends the comment by saying, your teaching methodology works wonderfully for me. That's amazing. What a transformation, Leonardo. That's fantastic. So again, we, we love reading your comments and we might just share what you had to say in a future episode of the podcast. So that said, thanks so much for joining us today and go out there, make the world a little bit better place, prioritize some things that fulfill you. And we look forward to seeing you next week. One, two, three. Oh uh, yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.